well, put me in a 2012 Hyundai Elantra uh, with my cell phone uh, because uh, my uh, my house is being completely gutted for house leaks. Uh, and and call me Tom Selleck because this is episode 54 of the Talking Shop podcast. I'm in my car and uh, I'm I'm at a baseball field in a parking lot. Uh, this is the best service I could get. This is a la Brandon Belt, but I'm here and I'm ready for today's show. Chopper, how are you doing with that beard and that brand new shirt? Yeah, I'm doing great. Thanks to the Bed Nords for this awesome shirt. Uh, all of my families, they gave me, I'm going to show you guys something else real quick too. You didn't know I was going to do this. I got another, I got another gift from all my parents on my 10U baseball club, Oro Valley Pups. Love that All you group. coaches out there that are getting gifts from your players, raise your hand, listener, because that is the gift that keeps on giving. Um, and and I got to tell you, 54 episodes into this pod, uh, hearing all the parents and coaches that have gotten joy and have gotten better at coaching and have gotten those gifts from their players because they're listening to this pod, man, uh, I'm doubled over with uh, – with ubiquitous nightingale joy, brother. It's good stuff, man. I just, uh, I get so much more emotional nowadays. I'm getting older and, um, I'm just so thankful for the families and the kids. I'm just, it's an honor, you know, and, uh, I love these babies, man. It's, it's really cool. So just you give an opportunity. Yeah, it's great. You're crying more. Uh, and I like it. I like this. Yeah, man. It's a different side of me. It's not, it's not normal, but, uh, you know, I'm, I'm getting more adapt to it. It's uh, it is what it is. Like you, you can't fight it. Just embrace it. Just let embrace it your feelings. Uh, uh, <laughs> our, our, I, I can't wait to let this interview roll today. Been looking forward to this one for a while. Our guest today uh, is Roberto Clemente Jr., uh, the Amazing. oldest son of Roberto and Vera Clemente. And man, oh man, I am so excited to talk to him about everything from his his father, his mother, what he's doing in the communities in Puerto Rico and Pittsburgh. Uh, he, just like us, uh, is doing things for kids in, in his community because he needs it. He, he needs it for himself. And this is something I do for myself. I went down to San Diego Saturday with Brett Tomko, friend of the pod, and Nick Hundley, friend of the pod and we ran a camp down there and and to be able to uh, share the Roberto Clemente story with 16 brand new ears they'd never heard that story and and to do our thing and just see all this excitement and the bubbling um man uh super fun to kind of marry this pod with what I'm doing with my sand lots we definitely missed you uh, and, and you'll have to be at the next one for sure. Uh, but it, it was a great sandlot there. And, uh, to be able to share an hour with Roberto Clemente Jr. And chat with him, uh, about many things. I do have an epic trivia, uh, a Roberto Clemente trivia contest. So get ready for your 1960s and seventies trivia chopper. Yeah. Um, but what are you most excited about to chat with uh, Roberto Clemente Jr. today. Yeah, just getting to know his heart because it's you're right. He aligns with us. You know, uh, he's about serving others, that servant leadership, and um, I just want to dive into that side of of him and like 
that is important to him. So why is that important to him? And yep. uh, how does that make him feel? How does it, how, what responses does he get? And how is he impacting lives? And, and what is that kind of that immeasurable ripple effect, you know, um, just touched a lot of lives. So yep. it's pretty cool. I, I'm, I'm very excited. Very much. So uh, I got to meet his brother, Luis, a couple of years ago at the all-star game and uh, you know, just kind of, trying to get some snippets some nuggets of of roberto like things nobody knows like he would come home from a, a pirates game and he'd take the kids in the backyard and build pottery and he'd play the harmonica uh things like that and, and roberto jr was the oldest so he kind of had to carry that torch once the accident happened and uh and i'm really excited to talk about his mother who just passed uh, a few years back vera uh who really carried that torch with three sons uh and and uh, what she did for the communities in puerto rico what um what that family did when uh, roberto passed is they said well what was roberto's dreams uh, it was to build a sports city uh, in puerto rico they wanted to, to create this sports town that's why roberto would go there and run these clinics for kids uh, and and bring baseballs and bats and and gloves, uh, and so um, really excited to tap into his last name and and when he finally figured out, you know what, I, I'm I'm ready to represent my last name uh, uh, the way it should be. Uh, he he played uh, pro ball for a few years. Uh, was very sad when injuries kind of ended that career, and and uh, want to talk about you know how he transitioned into. Uh, what he's doing now with RBI, uh, which is reviving baseball in the inner city. Uh, he's big on that in uh, his hometown of Puerto Rico and Pittsburgh. Uh, and I'll be going to Pittsburgh in mid-September for Roberto Clemente Day uh, to run a play ball uh, camp there. And, and hopefully uh, I'll connect with, with him and, and we'll be able to do some, some fun things in the inner city there. So uh, a great quote I read uh, from him, uh, the um, one thing you must be is someone who has empathy and uh, and his father had that and that made him a great leader and and Roberto Clemente Jr. has that and it's it's created uh, you know great leadership skills in him so I want to unpack that how, how does empathy tie in with being a great leader he also was uh, inherited an American Legion team uh, of teenagers and they were like the bad news bears and I believe this was in Pittsburgh but I mean criminal activities uh, were going on with with this group of kids uh, but he was able to take away all the guns and he taught them to focus on baseball so I mean uh, you talk about impact and, and and really serving a community that really needs it uh, how did he build that trust you know things we talk about but um, I think it's going to be, uh, I think we're going to align big time because he's passionate about coaching, passionate about the next generation. So, um, uh, it's just going to be a super interview, man. Pumped. Yeah, dude. Uh, anytime we can shine a light on empathy, I think that's, especially my wife and I were talking about that recently with like recent events, uh, that tragic, uh, killing for, I don't know how else to, to word it in Memphis. And it's like, it's tricky for me because as a firefighter, I kind of experienced those, especially late at night moments where you, you lack empathy. You really do. You start seeing the worst in people. 
Um, but empathy is like the one thing, like empathy and love that if we can heighten that, like as a society, everything else goes away. All the trouble, if you can see things from someone else's perspective, um, you really will treat them differently. And if we can treat each other like we're all special, you know, uh, special to our creators, special to our parents, special to our moms, you know, um, that can change the way we treat each other. Even if someone wrongs you, if you still see them as a child, child of God, a child of their parents, another human life, you know, um, you're not going to treat them how you may want to, or maybe even how they deserve. You know what I mean? Um, someone could do something really horrible and you could still treat them with love and empathy. So it's going to be great. And it looks like he's jumping on. So I'll let you intro. This is going to be awesome. And yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. He is here. He's our, our uh, guest on episode 54. Roberto Clemente Jr. is in the house. Snaps for our guests today. Snaps. How are you, Roberto? I'm doing fantastic. Doing great, Coach, man. Doing really good. Great to be here with you. Well, great to be with you. Meet my friend, Chad Shop. He is a high school coach in Arizona. Uh, he worked with the Dodgers and the Giants organization after his playing days were over. Uh, so, uh, you know, just just three coaching minds uh, uh, coming together in one Zoom. And we were just speaking uh, about a quote that I read uh, from you recently about empathy and, and how important it is to have empathy if you're going to be a great leader. You, you saw that in your father. Uh, you've used that in your own coaching uh, career as well. And and why not? Let's just start right there. One thing you must be is someone who has empathy uh, that, that can help build trust and create a, a great leader. Uh, unpack that a little bit for me. Where'd you learn that and, and how have you used that? You know, I, I thank you for starting there because I truly believe that it is so such a very important uh, piece of uh, being a leader, uh, being able to really uh, establish a trust uh, with your peers. I always, there's no one above anyone. Uh, and I, I remember dad always saying that he wasn't better. I'm not better, you know, it's like, oh, you're better. No, I'm not better than anyone, but no one's better than me. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yep. Okay. So, so it was, he had, he had pride. He had self, uh, believe that he could do it. Uh, but at the end of the day, uh, he trusted it, but he showed, and I, I, I remember I can say some stories about my coaching and that's, I think my favorite piece of my life is, is coaching, uh, being able to, um, have those moments and those stories that you know of impact that you know uh are there still uh after you're gone uh, because it's not it's not about baseball it's about life i truly believe that you know we're coaching life uh baseball is just a a, a piece that uh it makes it fun no doubt right? about it so yeah, so so for me, I tell you what, I I, I can tell you that empathy for me uh, is is a very very big piece because you know you're understanding, you're putting yourself in in in, the, in those people's shoes, uh, being able to now understand how to to really approach 
uh, that dynamic of our relationship. And I think it, it, it means a lot to, to them. And I think that's a big piece for, for a, a great foundation uh, on, on a, for our team. Well, I mean, the reason we started this podcast, me and Chopper, is just some, some sad stories we were hearing from players that wanted to either walk away from the game uh, or quit the game because either it was boring, they had a bad coach, uh, the pressure was overwhelming, it was negative, it was toxic, uh, a kid had to play travel ball, baseball year-round, couldn't play soccer if he was going to stay with that team, uh, it, just things of that nature that, that – um, Man, it, it almost shocked me. To, like, it almost felt like we were going into a place of mental illness. Like, uh, I mean, it, it, if you're going to scream at an umpire or scream at a kid who's eight years old because they they missed a ground ball, I mean, there's some mental illness there. There's no doubt about it. So I I, um, I have so much to unpack with you. <laughs> oh, yeah. And I think you're going to have great answers. But I'm going to throw it over to Chopper uh, for, for his first question. Go get him, Chopper. I want to dive into uh, you a little bit, and I know I'm skipping ahead here, but a little bit as a broadcaster, just because there's similarities with you and me in the sense that we both played professionally and had these aspirations to win a World Series, but both of us wanted it in a different way. We weren't as players. I wanted it as a coach, uh, and then you won it as a broadcaster. So tell us a little bit about that, like calling those games for those those that's Yankee heyday right there. So any stories you can share from that, maybe on the plane. Oh, wow. Uh, what a, what an amazing time. Wow. Wow. I, I feel <laughs> what I am. I feel so blessed, so blessed to, to have been there at that time. Uh, that was the, the best time to be part of that organization. Uh, it's funny. I, I feel that I was part of the organization. I was, I wasn't, I was actually with uh, MSG Madison Square Garden Network. Um, and it's funny because I went to a meeting in New York and I was, uh, I was there for a week of meetings. I was leaving back to DC and then back to Pittsburgh. And my last meeting, this gentleman says, you know, after the meeting was done, I was there with my agent. He goes, you know, I am the guy that's producing the Yankee games in Spanish. I think you would be a great addition to the team. We're always getting a third guy, you know. And I said, well, again, let me think about it. I got a kick from my agent behind, underneath the table. He's like, he's taking the job. I say, I don't even know what they're offering. Nothing. He's like, you're taking the job. You're a Yankee broadcaster today. And lo and behold, the next uh, two days later, I was actually at Yankee Stadium uh, doing my first game. It was Yankees, Milwaukee, uh, I remember. And uh, I can tell you that that moment um, really changed my life and perspective in terms of how uh, we as players see the game and see, you know, see what's happening on the broadcast booth. It's a completely different element how um, we approach and how we look at the game, right? So it was pretty cool that... Uh, you know, my story was that I always wanted to be being a World Series and, and own my old World Series rings. After that died, I, I would grab, you know, his two rings in my hands and look at the rings. and like, man, you know, I, it's, I, that's my mission. I want to get my rings, right? And I uh, got hurt. And uh, God gave me uh, the opportunity to become a broadcaster for the Yankees. And I can tell you, man, I, uh, to go to the oldest World Series, uh, like back to back to back. Uh, that was pretty cool. 
It's so cool. And the, the thing that I can feel from you is that gratitude. And that's it's the same thing that I had when I was out of the game for eight years. And then I was thrust back into a World Series champion, San Francisco Giants organization. And uh, it's gratitude, right? It's this, you're so thankful to be there. So there's no room for any other emotion, right? And it's like, you go into that field every single day, you're doing your reporting, you're doing, you're just the flights, everything. It's like, you're like a kid again, right? And it's just this listen, joy and this 90, gratefulness. Listen, 98, I, 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 98 was a special year for the Yankees, right? 98, yeah. every single day you woke up and you're heading to the stadium, you already know you won the game. So it's, 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 sure. it's, it's like the mentality that everything, the, the whole energy was, was there. It was a special year. Um, I remember... I remember that year that uh, Steinbrenner, I'm uh, coming down the elevator and uh, someone, I think a driver had hit his limo uh, during the game. So he's not a happy, he wasn't happy. I mean, Steinbrenner, the boss, wasn't that a happy camper that night? So I hear that, you know, he's coming down. So he's, he's furious. I can see his, I'm like, I don't want to say anything because I, you know, I don't want to get in trouble with the guy. So the next day I get into the player's parking lot and there's a, there's some traffic. And I'm like, never, like, this is like really random what, what's going on. And when I look, I see Steinbrenner sitting outside of the gate or the player's parking lot with a, with this tablet, with a list of names of people that were supposed to park there or not. And he started throwing people out left and right. I mean, it was amazing. But but that night, um, he actually, I, I saw him cry, uh, dealing with one of the players uh, and talking to him. And one of my buddies, uh, Daryl Strawberry. Um, and I can tell you that uh, the boss was a, a man that uh, was very sensitive um and he loved the 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 title of the boss because i gave him a curtain he could be high behind he did so much good uh around the country um that people don't know about this man was an angel and he just played a good part he he got the title of the boss so he played the part of being you know but he was a he was a soft gentle man uh, that helped a lot of people, including myself. So I, I, I was very blessed to do to be there, uh, in the players. I mean, being there with Derek Dieter, hanging out after the games. Come on, yeah. I mean that was special. Okay, that was special. Um, not only the games, but then being able, being able to be there with my buddy, Jorge Posada. Jorge Posada, wow. uh, believe it or not. Uh, ironically, Jorge was my bad boy in Puerto Rico when he was growing up. So now I'm a broadcaster, and he's like, he's a catcher of the, the team. I mean, you can't write this thing up, right? Um, and he and Derek were obviously, and still to, to this day, the closest uh, of friends. And um, we hung out. I mean, we we went everywhere together, uh, you know, with this then-girlfriend and now-wife, Laura. Uh, I mean, it was amazing. I mean, truly an amazing time, uh, special for, for obvious reasons in the history books, we see all those games uh, that those guys were just, they were, they were unstoppable in 98, unstoppable.
we were in the same place at the same time, probably because they were playing the angels and I grew up right by angel stadium and in 98 and we went over to the team hotel and everyone was in the bar and it was just what, a, what an incredible vibe of just like, I don't, I don't know how else to describe it other than just greatness, like confidence, but not arrogance, you know, uh, like your dad said, like no one was, they weren't better than anybody, but no one was better than them. It was correct. It was pretty special. It was, it was pretty cool. It was amazing. It was, it was, yeah. no, it was, it was amazing. Like everything was clicked. Everything clicked. It, it didn't matter what they did. I mean, they were down front. They knew they were going to come back and win it. It was as simple as that. It was, uh, it was that attitude that, uh, you know, the fights, I mean, that was fun. I mean, that was a, a, a fun year, fun time. I mean, the, those, those, uh, those uh, Yankee days were very special, for sure. Beautiful, beautiful. Well, I mean, yeah, just just the name Derek Jeter and uh, the captain, uh, being able to hang around him that that's uh, that's a guy who kind of gets it, and he was able to um, lead that clubhouse. Uh, I, I'm I'm guessing there was some empathy there, but uh, maybe just a, a a snippet on Derek how. how how did he uh, build that trust and and uh, earn that respect with that clubhouse? You know, this guy, to this day, uh, the mad respect that I have for him. Uh, at that young age, to step up into that big stage. Um, and not, I mean, not even a blink of an eye. The guy was solid, okay? He was meant to be there. Um, and he did it actually uh, quietly. He went about his business and on and off the field, he knew what he was doing. He actually, his parents did a fantastic job. He listened to his parents. I mean, his upbringing was fantastic and kudos to them because uh, what, they, what they actually brought up was uh, a, a gentleman a uh, very smart individual that loved the game of baseball and lived for the game of baseball. So everything he did was on a mission to win that game, to get better every day. Uh, and you could see he went into work. He went about his business and he earned the respect of everyone in that clubhouse. And uh, the rest is what you saw on the field is what you had on in that clubhouse the same individual and uh, wow. I mean, the, the maturity uh, early on, uh, he just became better and better and better. Uh, and and uh, amazing story, amazing story. The guy uh, did it all well, but he worked hard for it. The, the word hard, quietly, the word quietly, that I highlighted <laughs> that one there because uh, a lot of times that's the best leader. The one who just leads Very by quiet. example, leads by actions. We had Dave Roberts on and the word servant leader uh, came up. And, and it's like, man, the, the, those two words put together, uh, that's it. <clears throat> that's to be able strong. to lead, you need to serve. Okay, you must serve to be able to lead. You can't, you can't lead it without serving and understanding what that means and, and, and go through that process. Uh, yes. because, uh, you will never understand your whole crew if you have never been there. No doubt about it. Well, 
Speaking of servant leader, I, I want to go back, back to the very beginning uh, because there's there's a couple different pockets I want to hit in this conversation. Um, I, I got to meet your brother Luis at the All Star Game in Cleveland, and I've I, I, it's been documented. My grandpa Tony uh, is from Puerto Rico. He gave me a book about your father. I said, "What's this about, Grandpa?" He said, "Read it. Read the book. Come back to me, and we'll talk." Um, and and I started to read about it, your father's life, and and now, you know, thirty years later, I've told this story of being a servant leader. Uh, I, I'm thinking it's it's twenty, thirty, forty thousand different kids across the country who've never ever heard of your dad. Uh, when I when I uh, when I met Luis. He, he said, you know, when dad would come home, we'd go in the backyard. He, he'd love to work with his hands and build pottery. He also loved to play the harmonica. Um, where did that love of the game start for you? Uh, and just, yeah, what do you remember when, when dad would come home? Wow. You know, there, there's, there are so many stories that I have from, you know, after the games and, you know, I, I would go down to the clubhouse and run around and, you know, it, and I remember, no, you got to go. Mom is waiting. So we would go and, and get uh, back to the apartment because mom had to cook after the game because mom, pop, dad was coming home to eat uh, <laughs> and he was bringing some guys to eat. So after the games, uh, you know, always he would bring, uh, someone from the other team. It was a, a Hispanic player. He was always bringing someone uh, to have dinner, a uh, home-cooked meal on the road. Uh, the stories he was said, you know, said, and, and the stories uh, always flying, right? Uh, always fun. But I can remember uh, him shooting pool late at night. He couldn't sleep at night. So he did pottery. He did a lot of pottery, uh, played the harmonica. He wrote poems played the organ. We had an organ at the, uh, in our living room and he played by ear. That's where my brother Luis actually plays by ear himself. He's a great musician. Um, always push him, go, go do your thing with the music, but you know, he, he's never done it. Uh, but he got that from dad. Dad had uh, an amazing ear uh, to be able to play music. Uh, but he was a Renaissance man. The guy, uh, was a healer. The, the best thing that I would, watch him do people will knock on on the on the front door we had no gates at the time the people just get to the door and knock they knew where we lived and uh they heard stories listen clemente can heal he can actually you know you have a problem go see him so they will show up at different times at night and knock on the door wheelchair or crutches and um he would go open the door then probably no shirt on and you know pjs whatever and What's going on? And you know, I they will tell the story. What's going on? Well, coming in, I'll be, I'll be right back. So he'll go to the room, and he had a a bag of tools for chiropr for uh, pressure points that he did on people's backs and neck and so forth. He he learned uh, throughout his career, throughout his life, uh, how to take care of the back, neck, and and learn with chiropractors. Uh, reading books uh, because he suffered a, a that a car accident in 1954, hurt his uh, neck and back. He learned how to what was going on inside of him. He needed to know and how to fix it. So he was he was able to learn how to be able to deal with other people 
and he healed so many people uh that that uh amazing stories uh how they avoided surgeries because him visiting them at the hospital the night before uh i mean you go down the whole line but i would I, they would go in my house and i'm watching them i would be hiding because i'm supposed to be sleeping and i'm watching mom uh, assisting him and they come in with wheelchairs and, and they walk out the door and i was just amazed you know that sight i'm like wait a second these people were crying and in pain and they left laughing and you know just i mean hugging dad and forget it, it was it was quite an amazing sight he had uh so many talents and 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 he was such a blessing i always say that he was a uh an angel that happened to play baseball you know that's how i always kind of frame it because everything he did it was uh of, of impact uh just you know how he uh, went about his business uh there was no social media back then right so he, even then he, he wouldn't even care he wouldn't want a camera to be with him he was a shy person so he wants to be alone and that's why he liked to do his his deeds amazing well i i uh as i was saying goodbye to luis uh you know i, I i've written a poem about your father and i've shared it with with many children but he gave me a hug and uh he said from dad to you and at that very moment you know this of course an airplane just flies right overhead like very close and very loud and it's the most chills I've ever gotten. And it just speaks to his, his healing. He, he, he was, he, he's an, he was an angel that played baseball really, really well. Uh, but <laughs> the, the, um, it, it's, it's amazing to see you and, and your brothers and your son kind of carrying that torch uh, in a beautiful way. I won't hug all the time chopper, but, uh, another quote from you, I'm very lucky to be Roberto's son, but I'm very proud to be Vera's son. Uh, why? You know, uh, it is amazing that we have, we have been blessed to have a legacy that dad left us, right? I mean, come on. Uh, you, a legacy such as dad's uh, is amazing. And look at, we're talking about it, you know, 50 years later, right? Um, but to have two amazing parents that both uh, equally have left an impact uh, in in our society and in our lives, uh, it's just, I mean, it, it, you, it, we hit the jackpot. <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, you hit the jackpot twice. Uh, so <laughs> the lightning hit stuck twice in, in our in our house for in our home. Uh, for sure, uh, it was written. Uh, Dad uh, picked the perfect woman to be the, the mother of his children. Um, after the 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 accident, the way she really carried that torch, um, and led by example quietly. I mean, even quiet, even quieter than Dad, you know. Uh, so she was very shy. Um, it, the, in fact, that I, I started traveling early on with her and speaking for the family because she didn't know you go ahead, you speak, but you speak better English. So I mean, she was that shy. Right. Um, but uh, she uh, was another angel uh, that uh, uh, we were very, very fortunate to come on because uh, just people, the way she carried herself, such grace. 
but how she touched people that, you know, for 30 seconds, for two minutes, people still have that feeling of how they felt at that particular moment. That's pretty special. No doubt. Yeah. That, uh, that idea of, of just, you know, the, the purpose of life is to, is, is that feeling that you give others. Uh, you've found your purpose when, when that feeling you give others and they walk away with that, that feeling of positivity. I mean, that's your Maya mission. Said it best. That's your Maya said it best. Absolutely. And yes. No doubt about it. it. It's just so, so powerful. So, um, man, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm like a little kid, uh, right now. Just, just, just loving this conversation. Chaparu. Oh, listen, we, we, Chaparu, listen, we, there's so <laughs> much. It, 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 I don't even know. I mean, there's so many stories uh, about baseball. Uh, something that kids, I mean, when I played, I mean, I had Ruben Sierra. Remember Ruben Sierra? Oh, yeah. I don't know if you remember Ruben Sierra. Oh, yeah. I have a huge, I mean, story that I, I've always I've said for many, many years because Ruben's story is amazing. I don't know if you know his story, but uh, I use that as a great uh, storyline, uh, as an example of of what you need to do, um, you know, and, and not give up because uh, you're definitely going to make it because uh, that's your mindset. You have to have that mindset. I'm going to make it and I'm going to work for it. He worked and he, he was able to make it, but an amazing story. I mean, I, I, I wish I could have all the time in the world. I have all these stories that, that we can unpack for sure. But, you know, um, man, Chopper, go yeah, ahead, I'm gonna, man. I'm going to say, I'm, well, I'm gonna say one, your time, man. No, I'm going to say one thing. No, no, it's, I love it. I'm going to say one thing, but then I'm actually going to ask you, because I don't know Ruben Sierra's story. So maybe you can touch on that. But I want to say one thing about just your dad and like your family's legacy. One of my favorite teammates growing up, his name was Clemente Bonilla, obviously named after your father. Um, and like, there's power in a name, right? And my teammate Clemente had this joy and this love and this, and he was unbelievably gifted, like an absolute stud on the baseball field. But more importantly, he was a stud human, you know? And he he's carrying on your dad's name, you know? And that legacy, and now he's a high school coach. Um, and every time I talk to him, which is rare, it's this joy, like exuding from the phone. And it's... Um, you know, it reminds me of like your dad of like that legacy of just impacting lives and love and joy and some swagger too of like, Hey, you know, like there, there's power in that too. Belief you in yourself. You, you become your name, right? I mean, in, yes. in many ways you be, you become, I told my wife, you know, we were trying to name them, though, you become your name. Yes. And, and it's, it's amazing how that works. Right. Um, yeah. and, um, this name is, is amazing and and you know clemente you know clemency by the way to say it's actually it's a it's actually it's how it's a whole full circle and how you know it, it comes back but yes i mean I, that, it is amazing and and to talk to ruben i mean you yes. never met ruben never met him but we love watching him <clears throat> okay so um so i had to be um, the neighborhood and then the area where I lived, it was a literally, there was a little league and I went there one time, tw twice, and I saw kids running, sliding or attempting to slide and crying because they, they didn't like the way it felt. 
And I'm like, this is not base. These guys are not baseball players. You know, I'm like eight. I'm like seven years old. So, you know, like, what's going on here? I, I take me somewhere. Please take me somewhere where I can, you know. So they took me to the hood. They took me to the actual to, to the inner city. It took me to um, a. It's a. I mean, I mean, thinking about it back now, it's like wow, that, that was crazy. I went to the hood to play, and that's where I grew up playing, and that's where I met Ruben. Ruben and I played baseball together since the age of eight until we we went our, our separate ways. We were in teens, right? Um, we were battling. We we battled uh, for the batting title every single year, every single year for the whole league. AP and I always. Um, by the way, he never beat me. There you go. Um, <laughs> he never beat me. Never beat me. I was a captain of our team, but you know this is uh this is a, the, the the story that I want to I want to tell about Ruben. His mother worked three four jobs. Um had two older brothers, no father, um, bad, bad area, bad neighborhood, infested with drugs. And, you know, he walked out his door, front door, took a few steps, and these guys were selling drugs right outside his door. Um, and, hey, kid, come here, do this. And I said, no, no, I'm going to I'm gonna be a baseball player. I don't need that. Thank you. Here, but make some money. I can make you. No, no, thank you. I'm going to be a baseball That's That's, he had it in his mind. I'm going to become a baseball player. Anyway, long story short. Um, this is an amazing story because I'm the captain of our team. We're in the playoffs. Uh, it's Mother's Day. And I remember that we had our last game to go to the regionals uh, the next week. And Saturday is Whitewater Sports. I actually i am playing a game and I hit a glass door. And I just messed up. I almost lost my leg in that accident. So now I can't play. I missed the whole thing. We leave for Pittsburgh early. And I'm waiting for phone calls to see how the team is doing, the regionals. We won the regionals. We're going to the Willie Mays World Series in Knoxville, Tennessee. I'm excited. We drive from Pittsburgh to Tennessee to wait for the team. Uh, there, we get there. We start practicing. We lose the thing. We come in third. My mom feels so bad that she rents two school buses from Knoxville, Tennessee, to come to Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, to come and watch the Pirates play. Right? This is nineteen. This is nineteen seventy. What six? I want to say seventy-five, seventy-six. Um, and we drive. I'm in the front bus. And telling the driver we're already going downtown to Three River Stadium. We're all dressed in our uniforms, Puerto Rico, and the play. There's a game that night, so we go straight to the clubhouse. Uh, it's early, you know, the players are there, and I'm taking the guys. Look, this is Willie Stargell. This guy, you know, so I'm introducing the guys to the, the team. Hey, how you doing? Whatever. So I take. We run out to the to the field to the to the field, and everyone's running on the field in in Three River Stadium. The whole team. Right, pretty cool through Major League Baseball Stadium, and I look, and at home plate stands Ruben Sierra, crying. For eleven years old, and he's looking around, and he has tears coming down his face. And I'm like, "What's going on, Ruben?" He goes, 
I'm going to play on this field one day. I'm going to play right field and I'm going to wear 21. And I said, you can play here all you want. You know, you know, we're in 21 because that number is retired. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> he got, he got, that number is retired, Jack. So, okay, anyway, so anyway, so we go in our separate ways. He, you know, he signs in. Fast forward to 1994. We, um, we, we unveiled the Clemente statue at Three River Stadium. And in the sixth inning, I'm watching in the suite, sixth inning out of the American League dugout comes number 21 running to right field. Wow. That's chills right there. Yeah. Wow. And I knew. Wow. No one knew until I am watching this happening, understanding our conversation. That was powerful. That's, it, it, that's incredible. And it, it's, it's something that as a coach, I know you do this without even hearing you say it, but I do this as well of like, you challenge kids, you dare them to dream. Like, hey, have a vision, like believe in it. And no matter what this world or your coach or your mom, and no matter what anyone or a friend, whatever they say, you believe in yourself. You can do anything in this world. You and I both wanted to win World Series, right? And Ruben wanted to play where he wanted to play. And he had this vision and this belief. You can do it. So I'm telling my kids all the time, guys, you can do it from the age of two years old. I just wanted to be in the major leagues and win a World Series. And I won two of them. And like all these things happened in my life. You got injured. I got released. I, I It took me two years where I questioned God of like, God, I thought that you wanted to give me the desires of my heart, but little did I know he was preparing yeah. that role Correct. as a staff member. And he, it was way better than anything I could have ever imagined. Listen, more impactful of, uh, than being a player. Yes. Yes. <laughs> okay. Yeah, the purpose is actually even bigger than being a player. Yes. It's, it's incredible. And thinking about Ruben's story reminds me of what Mike Tyson said about his disadvantage was his advantage. You know, that that's his adversity gave him strength and Correct. adversity makes the strong, stronger and the weak, weaker. And I mean, that's, that's your, your, your family story. That's Ruben Sierra's story. That's it's listen, powerful. Ruben, listen, Ruben, Ruben did not have, so to, he would, we were bringing him to, uh, to the house that we're bringing him to the house to feed him. Yeah. You know, after, after practice, after games and, you know, so he would. I, anyway, so yes, uh, man, it, it it is an amazing story. Uh, some I, one that I'm very proud of, of course. Uh, it's 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 uh, pretty powerful. I'm gonna say this, coach. I know, I know your fingers up, but I'm gonna say this. I've asked a lot of questions. This is our 54th episode. I'm so glad I asked that question about Ruben's here. I did not know that, and that's the best question that I've ever asked. And I'm super <laughs> well thankful done. you shared it with us, Coach Ballgame. Well done. Well, and, and, I mean, two two things there, Chopper. Uh, you know, guys like Jock Peterson and Mookie Betts would ask him, hey, give me a give me a dig me sesh. I need you to go in the clubhouse and pump me up. Give me a dig me sesh. If he's playing for the Dodgers, they're not going to ask him that. But he had that role as Mr. Mr. Pump 
you know, pump up Jack Peterson. So he feels like the incredible Hulk in the box. Uh, it speaks to his role with them. Secondly, uh, you talked about your dad being a poet and, and being a storyteller. You've got that gene, man. I was just listening to your story and the power of your storytelling abilities. I think that is why you're such a great coach as well. Uh, when I tell stories, Roberto, Jim Abbott, Daniel Nava, now Ruben Sierra, uh, that a lot of times that, that is the moment when kids perk up the most and, and they're just kind of hanging on every, every, every word that you have. And I know it's a gift given from my grandfather, who was a poet and a great storyteller, and my mom. Uh, I want to I go to this lane of you impacting others and, and where it came from. And I, I'd love to hear about a man named Victor. Uh, a few days after the accident, a man named Victor put his hand on your shoulder and he made you a promise. Um, tell us about that man. You know, that's a great, I mean, thank you. Um, because the, the man driving Ruben back to his house was Victor. Wow. Okay. <clears throat> I get emotional because this man, um, wow. You know, it, it was the third day after dad's accident and I had not seen mom in three days. So they drive us up and, you know, there's mayhem. There's so many people just, I, I mean, just going up the hill, I'm looking, I'm like, wow, helicopters. It was, I mean, it was seen. Um, so I get out of the car and I'm about to run to make my way into the house and try to wave my way in. And, and one of our friends that flew in from Philadelphia, Jack Davis, Jack stops me, he goes, let's take a walk. So I said, okay. So we took a walk and um, he asked, you know, what happened? I said, yeah, I already know. Um, so he says, well, you need to be the man of the house. And we had this whole conversation. We're walking back and I get to the front of the house. The, 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 the bridge is a bridge. I got the front of the bridge there and I kind of realized, I said, I came to a realization. And I looked up at Jack and I said, Jack, who's going to take me to play baseball now? Victor was standing right there. He heard me. He said, he put his hand on my shoulder, he says, Robertito, you don't worry about that. I will take you through every practice, every game. That man's word, unreal, never failed once. He was there early. He was there an hour and a half early before I needed to wake up. Every single time. Amazing. Special. Man. Um, and, wow. And if, if we, obviously the impact Victor had on you um, and how many kids you've impacted 
because of that that one hand on your shoulder and that that one victor that picked you up early and dropped you off every day like if we can as coaches and parents just learn from victor and learn from that and see how impactful it is to just show up just show up pick a kid up take him to a baseball field where he's not going to be you know getting into trouble or playing video games or or things of that nature like uh, build them up my goodness i mean attaboy victor and i know he just recently passed away but uh, an, a huge attaboy to victor and, and and another story in my in my storybook that i'll be telling kids for we, years but we but victor doesn't stop there okay um victor was a very smart man yeah he 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 used to uh he he was an umpire as well he umpired you know before and he loved he loved baseball now I get hurt, and um, I get back to Puerto Rico. And Orlando Merced is my neighbor. Orlando Merced yeah. played for the Pirates. So Orlando, I mean, literally my neighbor, same street, um, a year younger than me, went to class with my with Luis. And um, I would, I came into, you know, I said I would go by his house because I was training, getting back ready to, to, to play. And so Orlando, let's go. No, no, I'm, I'm not, you know, and I will go with Orlando. Let's no, 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 no. So I to say, I need, I need your help. I say, wait, what do you need? I say, I need you to come and help me practice. Okay. I can tell you that I left for spring training two and a half weeks later. Um, he had become ready the time that he and I started practicing together. Victor invited him to practice with my brother where he was being seen by the Pirates. They signed both of them the same day. So Victor had Orlando Mercedes, you know, I mean, he actually brought him into baseball. Uh, if it wasn't for Victor, there would be no Orlando Merced. Wow, man. And just one of those unsung heroes, right? Who, who yes. just, yep. qu- once again, quietly uh, picked you up yes. and, and just kind of paved paved these roads for you. Uh, and, and just, he gave you a, a father figure, uh, so to speak, uh, of, of how you should be when, when it's your turn to impact uh, young ones. You, you wrote, the day you got hurt, your back got hurt and your playing days were over, you went home to Puerto Rico to your mom's house and you cried for three weeks. So from this, we've all done it. I've cried for three weeks when my playing days were over. Chopper as well. Um, from from those three weeks to this chance encounter with a youth team in Puerto Rico and creating the Roberto Clemente Foundation to RBI just kind of walk us through that transition because there's a lot of people right. listening right now that are in that in that same grind. Coach All Wayne, right, so uh, and, and let me just say one one last thing really quick on on Victor, uh, if yeah. I, if I may, uh, because I think oftentimes we get so caught up in servant and serving where we think we have to do this huge thing of like, oh, I got to go on a missions trip to Costa Rica, or I got to build someone a house. No, you just have to be reliable. You just have to be in your community looking for an area to give someone a water bottle or give someone a ride or be reliable. Like Victor was reliable. He told you, Hey, I got you. You need to go to the field. I will be there. And that was his act of service. 
and it was powerful and it's still powerful to this day. Yeah, that is correct. That is, that is, I mean, that is something that it's needed. I mean, there are so many kids out there that all they need is a ride. And they need someone to talk to, talk shop to like, you know, situational, you know, if they don't understand something, how can I, you know, so being able to be clear, I mean, there's, I mean, game situations and where you ride to, to the ballpark, I mean, go grab a burger after the, you know, you know, there's so much things. Victor helped feed, I mean, Ruben Sierra. I mean, if it wasn't for Victor, you know, that's another thing. If it wasn't for Victor, I would have never been met Ruben. I mean, there's a whole thing that would have never happened. Okay. Yep. Awesome. Amazing. Sorry to interrupt. Um, Go back to no, so, no, yeah, no. Telling your journey. So, <laughs> so let me. So uh, obviously, I'm, I am, I am, I'm depressed. Um, it took three long years of three surgeries, three knee surgeries, three long years of rehab to end up paralyzed from my waist down in spring training. So obviously I was devastated. And um, so I had a, uh, a good friend who we played together and uh, he was managing a American Legion team in Puerto Rico. And he had called me a couple of times and I didn't want to pick up. And it's Luis calling and I don't want to talk. So he kept on calling every day, every day, you know, hey, Roberto, you know, come on, you know, when I meet a few teams, and no, no, I don't feel like it right now. And I mean, he was just moping. I, I, I didn't even leave my, my, my bedroom for three weeks. Um, so he used the word, the magic word, that I should not, I don't know if I should say it, because if I say the magic word, people would know the magic word and I'm in trouble because I'm in trouble all the time Ask my wife, because that's a magic word. Magic word is help. When he used the word help, it triggered, it, it, oh, it just triggered something in me. And um, I said, okay, I'll be there Tuesday night. Um, I showed up to watch his, his team practice he wanted to meet after practice and to give me some you know my my honest opinion and what i thought of the team so i sat in the bleacher no one in the bleacher i sat in the top and i'm watching this horrific view of of this team it was it was bad news bears um and 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 just you know 16 to 18 year olds it was just bad it was just really bad it was in ba- I mean, I know my guy is a professional. He was a professional baseball player. So I know that he knew better than what I was seeing, right? So we sat down afterwards. And I, all I could do, do was shake my head. He goes, I know. That's what I'm saying. I, I need your help. I said, okay. He said, done. I'll be here Thursday. He goes, that's what I wanted to hear. That's good. So now he got me engaged, right? So let's go and help these kids. And um, I show up on Thursday early because I like to be early. And and I see one of the kids. A couple of the kids are shooting basketball, you know, shoot hoops, smoking cigarettes, and you know, talking to girls, music blasting, you know. And I'm like, what's going on here? I'm like, this is this is not look. No wonder it doesn't look like a baseball team. And um, one of the hey coach over here, the coach. I go over, he goes, he hands me the equipment bag. 
I go like, what's this? He goes, yeah, Louis just dropped it off for you. It says he's, the team is yours. He's gone. He can't handle the team. So he just gone. Wow. Um, I'm like, uh, no. I said, it's, it's okay. We'll do it. I said, We'll do we'll do tonight and that's it. I'm I'm out. I said this is not happening. I'm not I'm not doing this. I'm gonna go to his house after this this practice and we'll fix this. We do go through the practice. Actually, practice was drop everything, get running shoes on, whatever you have on. No one's touching a baseball, a bat in tonight. No one. It's not happening. We're breaking everything down. We're gonna start by running, stretching, doing. I mean, we're gonna start from the basics. And that's what we did. So I said, follow me. So I started running. I went out for two miles. I mean, it took them, I don't know how, but I went and that's what I started. I, that's what I needed to do. And that's what I did for two weeks. Um, we, I think, I think we saw the first baseball two weeks, uh, uh, probably six practices into my taking over the, the thing. Um, I looked for Luis. He's nowhere to be found. I kept on looking, calling, nothing. Uh, in the meantime, every you know, I kept I kept on showing up. I had to show up, right? Um, but the guy started getting better. Um, but we started a a series of of games, exhibition games now, and there was a. Um, a a uh, low income housing right behind the ballpark and my first basement six two I mean big kid um, struck out a couple of times someone yelled something from the stands and I'm at third base and I'm talking to my runner second base I hear some commotion behind me I look back I'm like this my first baseman is in the stands just rocking this guy I'm like what's going on no, so I gotta roll grab him. It's the, the 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 brother of the biggest gang gangster of this place behind the thing, right? I didn't know this. We continue the game. Uh, um, uh, maybe uh, an inning later, I hear chanting coming from that area, and then I see the chant, hear chanting getting closer, and I look, and it's actually around two hundred people with, you know all kinds of gadgets and, you know, and I'm like, oh, no. So when I realize what's going on, I see my team running that way. I'm like, what's going on here? This is insane. <laughs> so, and I'm looking at this mass of people coming towards the ballpark. I'm like, oh, this is not going to be pretty. Um, I'm now I'm really nervous and I look to the other side and I see my my team coming back towards me carrying guns and weapons. Wow. All of them. Wow. I was like I, I was like, wait a second, what's going on here? This is this is not happening. So I grab the equipment bag and I say, what are you guys doing? Throw those things in here. Everyone to center field right now. I said, everyone to center field. We all went out there. Took my bag. So everyone's safe over there. So everyone got there. These two people come. 
um, into the into the field, start walking to a center field, so I start going to meet them. So I'm I'm going like I don't know what's gonna happen, but you know I'm gonna see who this you know how we're gonna fix this. Uh, I don't know what 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 this is all about. So the the guy comes over and he getting closer. He goes, no, it's not with you. It's not with that guy over there. Just let me have him. Let me just have this guy because I'm going to take his head. I mean, he started talking all kinds of, you know, he hit my brother. And I, now I'm getting this guy that he was fighting with his brother. And that's just the biggest guy there. Um, and immediately I said, I need to figure out how to defuse this. And I looked at the kid, looked at the guy, and he had, I mean, he was beat up. So I'm so sorry about this whole situation, but this kid you want to, you want to touch, you need to come through me before you get to him. It's not going to happen. And as soon as I started talking and I said, we're going to have to, you know, he looks at me, goes, wait a second. Are you Clemente? I say, yes. He goes, wow. I never knew I was, I was going to meet you, man. That's a, that's pretty cool. I kind of started kind of breathing a little better, right? I said, listen, I, oh, how about if I bring your brother to be my assistant? Be take my take, you know, scoring. I would teach him how to score the book, get him out of that situation that he's in. He goes, we got a deal. We made a deal. We made a pact. I took his brother to get him out of what he was, he was doing. He was the and and he became my my guy, my mascot, my 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 gopher, my guy, my my you know. Uh, he was my mascot. He did everything he did. Every he and everyone loved this kid. Um, but we were able to at least diffuse that situation, be able to mesh that thing. But the most important thing is that. After that whole situation, I needed to find out why my team had weapons. So I started asking, what is it? Why do you well, I had a couple of hitmen, I had drug dealers, I had, I mean, they were all except one. Out of the 18 guys, 17 of them were involved in criminal activities. They never got their weapons back. We continue playing the game. Um, I took them, the weeds, well, they took themselves because they actually got to the championship game. Champion, we lost in extra innings, but we took that team to the championship game. Um, but the most amazing thing is that, you know, later on in life, I, I bumped into some of the guys and, and they, they, they tell me, listen, out of the 17 guys that were involved in only two just two one was arrested the other one got killed the arrest are doing great and that for me was a win so that that for me and 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 from that point on um it was very clear um what i wanted to do um you know i later on i you know had to go do the rbi program start the rbi program um in Puerto Rico. Um that was amazing. Uh being able to put that together, won ten championships and um I mean the stories are endless, but uh just just the impact of what 
we have a, of a blessing of a game that we can have those stories um, is, is, is a lot of fun. Chopper, I know you've got a lot to unpack with that because, uh, uh, as a coach of 18-year-olds yourself. But I'll just say this. You became your name. Are you Clemente? You became your name. But you. I also thought of Victor with that bag, like the, the bag where you put all the weapons. That's Victor, the, the silent leader. Just put the guns in this Victor bag, and you became Victor and Clemente in that moment. Oh, man. Chopper, have you ever had any experiences like that on a baseball field? No, no experiences with weapons, but it, it is this power of teaching kids through baseball because there's so much failure, like how to deal with adversity, how to make good decisions, how to sacrifice, you know, how to put others before yourself. And just uh, that's why to me, and I think we all agree, it's the best game in the world because no other game or sport or walk of life can you fail 70 percent of the time and be considered great so it's it's this ability to take something negative and still extract a positive and that's what our job is as coaches and we talk about this all the time coach ball game the kids don't listen to our words they watch our actions so if we tell them hey you got to have composure but we're screaming at umpires or opponents right. you know what i mean then the kids are like oh this guy's a clown i don't trust him he's not honest he's he can't control himself. How are we supposed to control ourselves? So they don't, um, don't get me wrong. Don't get me wrong. I mean, there were a couple of instances that that season that I I lost it with the umpires. But you know. <laughs> oh yeah. Well, that's a young. That's a young. Hey, no, no, that's a young coach. Like that's a young coach. When I first started coaching high school, I got into it with umpires, and I think I lead the league for the most ejections in a Kino league. I, I got thrown out all the time. And as you mature as a coach, you start realizing. Hey. It's not about me. It's about these kids. And it's about teaching them life skills. I screwed up over the weekend, I, over the weekend. Um, we were playing a, an opponent coach ballgame was doing a camp. I was coaching high school games and we hit back-to-back -back home runs. Right. And the, the opponent, that pitcher was still on the mound and he, he started chirping a little bit. And I just made sure he knew he gave up two home runs, a combined thousand feet, you know, um, and I shouldn't have done that. I shouldn't have done that. So the next inning, he came out to third base, and uh, I said, hey, son, like, I need to be better than that, and I'm really sorry. I shouldn't have said anything to you, um, and I need to be a better leader, and I'm really sorry. Like, I, I shouldn't have done that, and I made a mistake. And he's like, hey, coach, thank you so much for saying that. There's, pow there's power in that for these kids to say, like, hey, I'm not perfect, but I'm going to own up to it, and I have to be better, and I'm sorry. You know, and th thank you. That was a that. big that – was, that, that was a huge – huge deal for him for you as well no but for, for yeah. him to be yes. yes oh no doubt no doubt yeah kids yeah. kids hear apologies even better than they hear or see that's gold integrity, that, that's gold that's gold to them gold like oh i'm being respected i mean that's yes. actually they're being respected I, you know i am being validated i'm, I'm being respected which is great it's yeah. very hard for me to apologize to my daughters i've got two <laughs> young daughters when i know i've been too aggressive to whatever passive aggressive uh too hard on them it's hard for me to go there but when i do those are the moments when they they their light turns on and they like you said they feel respected and they feel seen and then it becomes this great back and forth so right. um uh, whatever you touch touch it in a positive way uh the good feelings of helping people less fortunate uh, uh save your life 
these are quotes uh, that, that I've read from you that I relate to so well. Um, that, that, that should be a movie, by the way, that story of that team and that yeah. day, like, it sounds like West Side Story uh, meets Bad News Bears. <laughs> uh, you know, it, that, that is an amazing story, but they're, no, no, my they're, whole, they're, they're, they, they, that story, that story is perhaps, uh, I mean, it is a very powerful story. I mean, yeah. I think that no doubt is a whole movie on its own. I see my life as there are certain periods that from age seven to 11 is a one movie. I mean, I have like eight movies. Yeah, that, you do. That that yeah, I do. I do. And and there's some pretty amazing, amazing stuff. Uh good, bad, ugly. But at the end of the day is actually how you actually come out of the every one of those, right? Uh and it's just like baseball. Um you you know that you're failing seven out of ten times. But you're actually, this is actually, this is good. Now be able to apply that in life and, and make sure that you actually hit that, that average um, and, and understand what, it, what that means in life. You're going to be in good shape. Well, good I times. mean, I, yeah. I, I've said it a lot that, you know, there, there's, I'm still waiting for that, you know, that, uh, that, that Roberto Clemente movie uh, that, that is so powerful. And, and, and I feel like uh, from, from your perspective, a movie from your perspective uh, would just, I mean, it would have so many layers of, of uh, from after the accident to Victor to uh, like oh, that, that's, that's the movie. And, and, and I, I'm not a writer, but I, uh, I know it's there, man. It is oh, no, totally it, there. Listen, it, it's, listen, the, the first, um, and just, you know, this part, I, it's pretty pretty rough, but um, I went through a very hard time uh, a few couple months, two three months after the accident, uh, because obviously I lost my protector, I lost someone that you know my my security, uh, and and fell vulnerable um, and became a victim uh, of abuse, uh, and that happened for years, and that is part of. Uh, a lot of things that kind of became an issue, and that's when I my quote the quote that you 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 read was that when I was in my darkest times because I was dealing with all kinds of things in my life and and and, and the emotions and I didn't know how to deal with them, um, that my release was alcohol, right? And I I lived in a very dark place, but the only thing that kept me going was the feeling of helping people that that was the only thing that actually kept me sane right it was not i, I it was it was away from me and they, it was just my nature this is that and i'm happy so people saw me happy because i was always helping right but I, in in the inside i was crying and i was you know um but i thank god that uh you know i was able to survive and go through that whole process um, because there was light, you know, the, the darkness, you know, that is gone. And, and thank God, you know, that uh, I, was, I was saved. And because of him, I, I'm, I'm here today and, and I, I continue to, to be blessed and, and, and grateful 
that uh, those experiences I can share, I can actually write about, I can make a movie, I can make several movies actually with all the stories that I have. Um, I can just start producing right now and, and never stop because there are so many unbelievable, just, I mean, from, you know, the 79 Pittsburgh Pirates, for example, that, that team of the We Are Family. I mean, I got stories from that team because I used to catch in the bullpen in the summertime. Um, you know, going to the clubs. I'm I'm eight, fourteen years old, and I'm hanging out with the team in in the in in the discos, and it's just not. Nah, you can't write this stuff up. No way. You just can't write it. And to you see know? it come full circle with uh, Roberto Clemente the third throwing out the first pitch, getting national news with you uh, on on Clemente Day. I mean, man, that had to be. There had to be a, a moment of pinch me here at that that night. You know, I I, I often say that God has a sense of humor because, you know, he sends me three beautiful daughters. They're grown. Um, I have five grandchildren. And um, I was done. I, I had no business being in a T-ball game right now um, at this age. Uh, but I obviously uh, it was meant to be, and this kid, um, he's a miracle baby. I I was not supposed to be having kids at, at this age, but to the doctor and hey, when you're ready, let me know if you can do one. Kid, let me know. We'll do go through the whole process. Blah blah blah. That never happened. That never happened. Um, so as soon as I, you know, Kaylee said, uh, you know, we're pregnant. I knew it was a boy. I said, that's dad. That's the man upstairs. That's why that's, that's simple. And, and I was right. And the ability that this kid has, um, even as a baby was, I never seen anything like it. I was like, this kid is going to do something special. He was doing stuff with his feet and his hands at the same time. And, you know, doing, I mean, carrying, you know, 10, uh, uh, 10 pounds, you know, just dragging it. He was, I don't know, a few months old, and he was just I'm like, "What is he? What are you doing?" Um, his hand-eye coordination is insane. Um, his speed is just—he just flies. And when took him to the to the table for the first time, this kid just started. You know, I said, "Yeah, uh, that's his 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 grandfather." I mean, I see his grandfather all over him. I mean, everything he does. The way he runs, the way everything. I'm like, wow, uh, I think we got something here. Well, I can't wait to uh, coach him. I will be in Pittsburgh September 15th. We've already discussed it, and uh, I'll be there with MLB. And uh, I, I I would love to bring my drums and and, uh, and hook up with you, and we will do something. We'll do something with, oh, yeah. with we'll, your we'll foundation, with RBI. And, and I got to see I got to see number three here. I got to see him uh, hit a ball. Uh, he's 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 something else. He's uh he's a funny guy. Um, he's he's funny. He's a fun to watch for sure. Outstanding. Well, I, I we always close up shop with a little trivia contest. I've got some some baseball trivia uh, where it would be you versus Chopper. Uh, it's just a few questions on uh, your dad's playing career. Uh, are you game? Are you game to uh, battle against Chopper? And all right, trivia? all right. I know he's. I know he's ready. Go ahead. <laughs> he he springs this on me. I don't. I'm not ready. So uh, I was not born. Uh, I was born in 1980. 
So Maybe. I'll do my best. Oh dear. <laughs> oh dear. Let's do it. All right. So uh, first trivia question, um, uh, Roberto Clemente, uh, uh, who, uh, what pitcher did he have the most at-bats against? Ooh. 64 career at-bats against this pitcher. He was inducted into the Hall of Fame in 1984, this pitcher. Bob Gibson's a guess. It's probably the wrong time. At the wrong Good time. guess. Incorrect. Okay. Oh, he was inducted in eight. What the, what year? Eighty four. Nickname Big D. Drysdale. Ooh, correct. Don Drysdale. Don Drysdale nice. is correct. Uh, uh, well, one if, 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 if I had him. It was either, either uh, Drysdale or Colfax. I have one of the two. It, it's one okay. of, it was one of the two. Uh, one nothing, Roberto. Uh, question number two: Most hits against what pitcher? He had sixty-two knocks against this pitcher, lefty. Yeah, so Colfax. Incorrect. No. Good guess. You can keep uh, guessing. Nickname too. was Hooks because of the size of his nose. Inducted into the Hall of Fame in seventy-two. Another Hall lefty. Fame. Lefty. Um, oh, oh, Steve. Oh, my gosh. I, just, <laughs> I, I, I can go uh, ahead. Initials WS. Oh, I know. It's like in the, it's in the, it's in the tip of my tongue. Warren Spawn. Warren Spawn. Wow. Yeah. Had 62 yeah. hits wow. against Spawn. That's yeah. amazing. I mean, all of these, I mean, most ABs, most hits, this next one, most home runs, they're all Hall of Fame Hall pitchers. Of Famers. Who did he have the most home runs against? Oh, I don't know this one. <laughs> he had runs. six bombs uh, against these two pitchers. Two pitchers, Hall of Famers. One, one lefty, Famer. one righty. One's Canadian. Hmm. Uh, uh, um, uh, Fergie Jenkins. Ooh. Correct. Fergie Jenkins. That's the righty. Fergie. Uh, and, and the left. Uh, uh, is it Koufax? Correct. Yeah, he had six bombs against Koufax and yeah. Fergie. Two pretty good yeah, pitchers. Koufax, <laughs> Koufax always, always, every time I saw Koufax, Koufax would tell me, you know, I hate it. I hate it. I hate pitching. I mean, it didn't matter how it threw. It seemed to hit me every time. Yeah, so. <laughs> I, I got to talk to Fergie Jenkins, and uh, he said Roberto would just—he's just the other way, right center field all day long. Uh, just, just really tough. Um, well, uh, I mean, the, the way he pitched that pitched to him—I mean, he he was smart. He just yeah. went with it, and plus he had a—he had half a tree in his hands anyway. <laughs> that thing was heavy. He just let it, let it. He just dropped it. So. Yeah. I, uh, I I think Roberto's already beat you, Chopper. But oh yeah, uh, but I'm just got, happy to be here. <laughs> we we got one more. Who are the two Pittsburgh Pirate Roberto Clemente Award winners? Ooh, McCutcheon, Cutch, McCutcheon, McCutcheon, and Willie Stargell. Let's go! Boom! And you got Cutch back. Uh, we'll yes. close with Cutch, Roberto. What? Why is Pittsburgh so happy to have him back? You know. It's very simple. 
Very simple. There's only one twenty-one, but there's only been one twenty-two that played here in Pittsburgh, and him having him back. I mean, it's amazing for the fans. Great for the organization. Uh, you know, it doesn't matter how many games they lost last year; it's all forgotten, right? Uh, it's a brand new season, and having Kutch, I mean, the guy is so beloved here that uh, they can't do wrong this year. Just by having him back, it's uh, it's great. It's really uh, the whole city is is really excited about the uh, you know the first uh, game back uh, as a pirate. Well, man, this has been a real treat, and and I just want to say thank you, and and. Uh... And and I, I can't wait to see you again and do this again and, and, and just tell stories because I am going to be a better coach today because of this conversation. And, um, man, I just loved it. Chopper? Thank you so much. It was awesome. And the impact that your family's name has had and your family's actions have had on so many people still to this day, it's incredible. So thank you for taking the time and sharing the stories. My pleasure. I, I really appreciate it. Great to meet you. Listen, and before I go, it's very important. And I want to really kind of underline what you said in terms of visualize, 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 visualize. Do it and continue doing it right here because it's going to, that's how you're going to make it happen. Okay. Visualize and it. visualize and visualize. Make sure the only thing that I'm going to, I'm going to close it with this is that we're all the same. There's a uh, one thing that separates us obviously besides geography is actually this thing right here. That fingerprint. Right, because no one in the world can match that fingerprint. So whatever you touch, touch it in a positive way. Amazing. Thank you so much. It's beautiful. You the man. Thank All you right. so much. Have a great time, guys. Have a great day. All right. Appreciate you. Bye. Bye. See ya. Bye. 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 Oh, chopper. Yeah, lead us off, man. But uh, well, I mean, I mean, there's a billion takeaways. What do you, what what do you take away? One thing he said that I want to touch on uh, for coaches is, and in life too, like we all want good times. Good times are great. You know, when things are going well, it's awesome. It's great. It's great. But that leads to complacency. You know, it leads to a lack of a reliance on others or, or a faith, right? So um, off the field, like lean on your faith, even in good times, but in those bad times, Find those positives or those areas where God's working in your life. Now, bring that to the baseball field. We had a game this last weekend, and I was talking to one of our athletes, very good athlete, and he got down a beautiful bunt for a hit that we're really working hard as a team. He got that down, and then his last at bat, he hit a hard base hit to right field. So we were talking yesterday. We're working on bunting. We bunt every day before practice. It's how we're going to win games this year with this group. And uh, I was like, dude, what a great bunt uh, you got down. That was so great. It was awesome. And he goes – yeah, but I missed the squeeze and this, that, and I go, I go, John, I don't even remember you missing. I don't even, I honestly don't remember that. Like I only remember that perfectly executed. He's a left-handed hitter and he dropped it right down the third baseline. It was beautiful. I said, Hey, and coaches tell your kids, like if you do something wrong on a baseball field, sure. You can process it as quick as you can, as far as like, 
okay, can I do something better? How was my heart rate? What was my thought process? But then once you've gotten what you need from it to learn, throw it away. Like, do not dwell on the negative. Dwell on the positive. You got down a beautiful bunt and you had a hard base hit your last at bat. All you should take away from that day is I was two for two with a bunt single and a hard base hit. Don't dwell on the negative. So, I mean, as coaches, make sure, check in with your players. Ask them what they remember from the game. Yeah, empathy. Kind of full circle, right back to the first question we asked and, and, the, and the topic at the top is, is just um, being someone who – who can sit there and understand and listen uh, to each person, know where they're at. Uh, and then, and that's going to make you a great leader because you're going to build that trust. Uh, you know, if you're just ramming skills down their throat right out of the gates and we have a lot of coaches starting their, their seasons this week with practices. Yeah. You're going about it the wrong way. Sit down, <clears throat> have a 30 minute conversation with each player uh, you know, and have a group meeting. What's your nickname going to be this year? And what do you love to do? And, and who are you? What's your personality type? Uh, start there. Uh, find each key for each lock and then build that family, build that trust. So um, maybe, I mean, that, that, that's, my fa- that's my favorite episode so far. There's no doubt about it. It's yeah. just too much. It, it, uh, Roberto, <laughs> he was an angel. He healed people. Uh, and, and he, he hit the ball like nobody else, uh, at, at the same time. So, um, I am, uh, I am a happy man after that one, brother. You're not better than anyone, but no one's better than me. <laughs> I love that. That's a great, because that's, that's self-confidence. That's self-loving. That's affirmation. That's affirmation. So people might take that as like, well, that's cocky or arrogant. No, it isn't like that's, that's a belief in yourself. And, and then he has that leveled with humility so like you want to carry yourself with humble swag and love yourself that's how you can love others if you're talking down to yourself or not carrying yourself with high self-esteem how can you love others how can you breathe life into people you can't you're going to be worried about how bad you are in this that no dude like you're awesome you're unique right and you're not better than anyone else that is i mean yeah i agree incredible episode incredible well, so good. I, uh, I am now going to head back to my house where, where the kitchen, living room, and my bedroom are all gutted, uh, and uh, maybe we'll find an Airbnb, but this Hyundai Elantra was a good studio for today, and uh, thank you to all our Patreons, Tommy G uh, on the uh, ones and twos, boy, Tommy Gold. Um, uh, next week, we've got Kelsey Wingert. The, uh, the sideline reporter, dugout reporter for the Colorado Rockies. Um, she's awesome. Uh, has a podcast with John Boy Media. So uh, she'll be up next week. But great to see you again, partner. Make sure to rake, everybody. Wake and rake. Wake and rake. Bang. Bang. Yeah.